Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Honestly, I'm just I'm feeling stirred about the future. I'm feeling stirred about your personal life and what God is about to do in your personal life. Why don't you even from the get-go, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Oh, I think I just pulled this whole thing off. <laughs> yeah, get ready. Thank you so much, Pastor Andrew. And I've heard a bit of the journey of City Lights Church and uh, water baptisms next Sunday. That is so exciting. And I just wanted to encourage you, if you haven't made a decision to be water baptised and you've never been water baptised before, let me encourage you that it's honestly second to salvation, making a decision to follow Jesus. It's the best decision that you can make because it's kind of like where... I said to my wife, I said to my wife Lucy before we were married, I said, I love you. But in order to seal that deal, I had to put a ring on the finger, right? So it's an inward conviction that I make a public declaration on. So if I'm gonna, if I'm willing to commit my life to Lucy, then I'll actually put action towards my passion. And so, and water baptism is very similar in the fact that you are actually making an outward, outward declaration of an inward conviction that you've made. To follow Jesus Christ. And so, as Pastor Andrew said, that yeah, Lucy and I have recently moved to Brisbane and we are loving Brisbane. Like, Brisbane is like the place to be, right? I mean, when you wake up in the morning and it's no longer minus seven degrees and it's 22 degrees, I mean, you, you're going to be grateful just like we are. So, we've come from a place called Canberra. And uh, yeah, it snows on your house during winter sometimes, and it's very cold. So we're so grateful to be here. We find that people in Brisbane are very friendly. Uh, people in Brisbane are a lot more relaxed. I was talking to um, Eugene and Elizabeth just before. Uh, people from people that live in Brisbane seem just to be a little bit more content than other places. Because I've travelled all across Australia, and uh, I honestly believe that we are blessed to live in the best place in Australia. Let's give God a hand for that, right? Come on. And so as a church, like we've been pastoring the church now since uh, March, and so it's just been very recent. We're very um, new to Brisbane, very new to senior pastoring, but we've been uh, pastoring for many years, uh, you know, in different settings and uh, an amazing church in Canberra called Life Unlimited Church with Pastor Sean and Linda Stanton, who are very good friends of ours, who continue to be our mentors and our greatest inspirations. And uh, if you haven't heard of Pastor Sean and Linda, um, Pastor Sean is the National Secretary of Australian Christian Churches, helping to you know, look after over a thousand churches in our movement in Australia. And we're so forever grateful for them. But we were sitting under their leadership and you know, God spoke to us and so... Um, we felt a conviction and there was an agreement. And uh, so we moved to Brisbane, the greatest place right in Australia. And we've taken on the leadership of uh, Fuel Christian Church just recently. And uh, God is up to amazing things. He's doing amazing things. And there's something in particular that I feel that God spoke to me about that is also going to be relevant for you guys in the future, that he's set aside a place to call home. And that is something that I was, you know, I was tossing and turning whether I should actually um, publicly announce, you know, or just to declare this over your church. But God is saying to you, get ready, get ready, because he's set aside a place to call home for you. That's got your name on it. And just recently, God asked me to pray a dangerous prayer for our local church. He said, why don't you pray for a new home? a new building, a new facility that can host hundreds of people that is on acreage right in the heart of the city or the, the area of Kenmore um, that you can be in seven days a week. Why don't you start praying outrageous prayers? And prior to that, we were meeting in a small school hall, no air conditioning. Um, I'm not trying to degrade what it was and what it did for the church for almost 12 years. All I'm saying is that I was asking for God to get us out of there. Uh, <coughs> in all patience... I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm a good, happy Christian. Get us out. <laughs> and uh, 
and you know, I was just I was talking to a few real estate agents and a few people around the area, and I caught up with a pastor, and he encouraged me. Um, one of the pastors was Paul Gilling, and he encouraged me. He said, "Why don't you just look around the local area?" and And after some time, um, God provided us a, a building on three acres, seven days a week. Um, you know, with multiple rooms, multiple uh, areas to host kids' church and and so forth, and and uh, you know, lots of equipment was provided, and it was all for free. Can you believe it? And so, I'm just believing that the same that same favor of God is from the spirit of same spirit of God is with you guys, and I'm declaring that and believing that for your church that God has set aside a home for you. And uh, we were excited about this journey, but it's only the beginning. Turn to the other person that you neglected at the start and say, it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Get ready, get ready. It is only the beginning. So cool. So good. Well, my wife, Lucy, uh, she sends her love to you, her greetings to you this morning. Uh, she can't be here because, you know, being a senior pastor, she's quite busy on Sundays, as you all know. And uh, my two boys... Uh, Samuel and Isaac. Samuel is nine and Isaac is seven. Samuel's really sensitive. He's caring. He'll listen to all your emotional problems. Isaac will listen to your problems, get a toy fire truck and smash that thing over your head and say, get over it. (laughs) They're very different. Isaac is very strong-willed. He's determined he'll get what he wants because he's very cute and handsome. Sammy, he'll just get what he wants because he's very caring and considerate. But my wife, um, she's indigenous. Uh, she comes from, she reigns from the largest indigenous tribe in Australia called the Wiradjuri tribe. It goes all the way from the bottom of Queensland all the way to the top of Victoria. So it covers the largest area of any indigenous tribe. And so she's Aboriginal and I'm Japanese. And so now our kids by default are Japoriginals. <laughs> you know, the principals at school, they're like, Oh, your kids are misbehaving again. I said, it's because they're Jap originals. It's not my parenting. I'm a great dad. Lucy's a great mum most of the time. Um, it's the fact that they're Jap originals. Give us a break. What do you expect? And we get away with it. It's fantastic. We love it. It's great. You can always be a great parent if you find the right excuse. <laughs> it's great. But I wanted to share an encouragement this morning. No matter what season that you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what difficulty or challenges you have faced in the past, just know that God is for you. Just know that God is with you. Just know that no matter what has happened to you, that all things will work out together for your good and for your benefit because you choose to cling on to God. And I wanted to share my story and I wanted to encourage you And know that today can be a day where a life-defining moment can take place in your heart. All we need in life is just one encounter. And having one encounter in our life can change things forever. It can be the game changer for you. So what I'm believing for is for today to be a game changer for you. A game changer day for your life where you can go back many years from now and look back at, an, at a moment that you had with God, that an encounter that you had with God and say, wow, I have built my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ because of a time where I encountered God. See, because adversities come in many shapes and sizes and sometimes through many people as well. And so the adversities that we face in life can cause pressure to be applied on our life. But let me suggest to you this morning that pressure shouldn't be your enemy, but pressure should be your greatest friend because the greatest diamonds are made under the greatest pressure in your life. John chapter 16 verse 33 says this. Why don't you open up your Bibles, open up your iPads or your phones, turn on your phones. If you're not really faithful to God, you would open up your Samsungs. Just pray that it doesn't explode in your hand. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So no matter what comes your way, no matter what hits you, 
Just know that God has got you. No matter what situation you face in life, no matter what obstacles are in your way, no matter what situation may seem impossible in your life, just know that God has got you. And because God has got you, it means that you're going to overcome every obstacle, not just now, but the ones that you will face in the future. So no matter what comes your way, know that it's only there to build you, to make you stronger, come on, to give you more wisdom, to give you more experience in life. There is nothing that can rob your joy, but you choosing it to. So now we have an opportunity to stay in the pocket of peace in our life, to sit in a place of contentment in our life, to know that no situation, no person, no external force can rob the joy that Jesus Christ has given us. See, the way my story started as a child was it wasn't picture perfect. You may look at someone right now and think he's been a pastor for many years and he's grown up in church and he's had a really cushy life and he's sung Kumbaya songs ever since he was a baby. That's actually quite the opposite to my story. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in a place called King's Cross in Sydney, as I was talking to Sarah this morning about. It had the highest drug rate, the highest crime rate, the highest... You name it, right? I call it the highest crazy rate in all of Australia. Right then in the early 90s, it was one of the craziest places. It was notorious for underbelly. I'd hear gunshots down my street every week, and it is the place where we called home. And, you know, it caused my brothers and I to head down a different path from most people. And so my brothers would be involved in alcohol, in drug addiction, in selling drugs, manufacturing drugs, crime. Um, every single one of us were involved in a huge court case at some stage of our teenage years, and the police definitely weren't unfamiliar to us, but they became familiar in every sense. And so my childhood growing up in a housing commission place in the most dangerous place in Australia was quite crazy at times. And, and as I reflect, um, even now as an adult and look back, I was thinking, why did we go down this spiral path? Like, why did we allow our external situations to almost force us to a place of submission to say, I've given up. We're going to go this direction and we're going to go down a negative spiral down, down, down. Why did it impact our whole family? And I look at my father's life. And he was a full-blown alcoholic. So he would be drinking alcohol every night uh, to so much of a degree that he would pass out. And so I remember just a, a vivid picture in my head, seeing my father sitting in the same chair, drinking his life away. And I just remember that as a child, growing up, watching my father in, sitting in this chair, drinking his life away. Oh, the sound's back. That's good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so growing up in my teenage years, I was going through a situation in my life where I was in the midst of a pretty serious court case. I was in trouble by the police and uh, in my later teenage years, and I just broke up with my girlfriend at the time, my whole world was crumbling down and I get a phone call from my brother and he says, Teo, you need to go straight to the hospital. Go right now to the hospital because the father that you barely even know is dying in hospital. He's taken too many substances and his body cannot cope with all the pressure. And so you need to go to the hospital and say your last goodbyes to the father you barely even know. And so as a teenager, I rushed to the hospital like every good teenager would do. And I see my father on a bed with all these wires attached to his body. And I'm asking the question, what is going to happen to my father? What is happening to my family? What is happening to my life right now? And I see almost like my life flash before me quickly, like these snapshots of, of some highlights and some lowlights of my life. And, and I start to reflect on my personal life, on my journey, on my future, on my purpose. It, it's funny that sometimes death, when we're faced with the reality of, of death, we start to think of our purpose in life. We start to think of our legacy. We start to think of, of why we are born on planet Earth. And so I approach my father on his bed and I hold him in my arms. And he says this, this word to me. He says, Taya, he says, I'm so sorry that I wasn't there for you 
as a child. I'm so sorry that I neglected you. I'm so sorry that I never said I loved you. I'm so sorry that I let you down time and time again. I wasted my life. And now look at me. My own addictions have led me to my own demise. I'm so sorry that I can't even look after you anymore. I'm so sorry that your future will be without me. I'm so sorry, Tao. I've let you down time and time again. And I'm now letting you down for the final time. And then he looked me in the eyes and he said, Tao, no matter what you do, follow Jesus. And with that word, he died in my arms from substance abuse as I was a teenager. And I, I was quite confused at the time because none of us were Christian. None of us believed in God or any gods or anything like that. None of us were going to a life-giving church or anything like that. It brought so much confusion to my life. And I was just thinking in my head, why? If, if God was real, if you're saying that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and you're telling me to follow Jesus, then why has he allowed this to happen in my life? And, you know, fast forward from that time, I've been a pastor in ministry for many years. I've traveled across the country and, and across other countries preaching the gospel, gospel. And you may look at me and think, man, there's not much brokenness in you. And I am an absolute testament to the power of God in somebody's life. Let's give God a hand for that somebody. I'm telling you, one encounter with God can change your life forever. It was the death of my father that led me to the resurrection of Christ. It's the dead things in our life that lead us to a brand new hope, to a brand new beginning. It is, it is the things that look so messy. It is the pressure that God allows us to go through in our life that will produce a miracle to take place. God only needs one ingredient to create a miracle in your life, and that is mess. If you are someone with mess in your life, then you are a perfect candidate for a miracle, to be a recipient of the miraculous power of God in your life. Because after that moment of grief and loss and sorrow in my life, it led me to go to church where some people invited me to go to a church service. And I'm telling you, the first time I went to a church service, I said to the pastor, you better not let me get into your church building because if I get into your church building, everyone is going to feel the wrath of God because this ceiling above our heads is going to collapse and crumble down on everybody. You don't understand where I've been. You don't understand who I am. You don't understand my background, my history. You don't know even know my family. My brother is still a drug lord. You don't even know who we are. So you better get ready. If I come to your church service, there is going to be chaos for every single person. He says, no worries, just come. It'll be great. I'm loving it already. So good. Welcome to church. Everyone's so friendly, right? Welcome to church. It's so good to see you. The lovely host at the door. Welcome. It's awesome that you were here. I've got alcohol on my breath from the night before. I'm like, how are you? And they're like, oh, they almost fell over. It wasn't the power of God, let me tell you that. <laughs> and they just loved on me and accepted me and embraced me for where I was at. And they didn't judge me for the things that I'd done or the life that I was living. They just said, you know what? You don't have to change before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and let him change you. That's a message for somebody. And then I was complaining to my pastor. I made a decision to follow Christ. And only a year later, I stepped into ministry and serving God in a leadership capacity, looking after a youth ministry. And everything seemed to accelerate from that point. Why? Because I stopped blaming God for all the problems in my life. I, I got a passion in my belly for the souls that were broken, all the Teos in our generation, all the Teos that, that are living with brokenness, with hurt. I stopped focusing just on myself and I said, God, what if I could be blessed so that I could be a blessing to other people around me? How about I look outside of myself and look at a generation who is that is hurting, that is needing you? And how about I pursue the purpose that is on my life? And run hard, run aggressively for the things of God. How about, I get, how about I get more passionate about the Word of God? How about I get more passionate and intentional about my reading the Word and praying for souls, praying for salvation? How about I live an intentional life being driven by the purpose that you've put on my life? But then you have your ups and you have your downs, don't you? And I found myself in my backyard complaining 
because I was having a bad day. Sometimes you just wake up on the wrong side of bed and you think that you, you've got it all together and the next day, what happens? Your whole life feels like it's crumbling down and you're living hell again. It looks on the outside like everything's going great. It looks like, you know, the situation's turning out better, but emotionally we are crumbling and we're caving in and we just feel so horrible. But sometimes it feels good to have a pity party, hey? It feels good to complain, you know what I mean? It feels good to just whinge and have a moan and groan. It feels great because it feels like you're letting all this stress out, letting all this anxiety out by complaining. I mean, if my marriage is going really good with Lucy, I like to cause some drama just for, just for an adventure, you know what I mean? <laughs> just start an argument, just for some colour, you know what I'm saying? So things are going really good for quite a few years and I'm like, it's just, it's getting too good. Like, let's just, let's put something, let's put a spanner in the woodworks there and I'll ignite an argument. So I say, Lucy, she says, what? I said, Nutri-Grain, there's too much sugar in it. Stop buying Nutri-Grain. She goes, shut up and eat the cereal, Tao. <laughs> I love it. But sometimes it feels okay to complain, but God is big enough for all your complaints. If you read the book of Psalms, 50% of Daniel's, uh, David's prayers and worship, it's all complaining. But then after it, what happens? He's praising God. He's thanking God. He's got an attitude of gratitude. We should live out of an attitude of gratitude because it will set you free. Depression can't stay for very long when you position yourself in praise. It can't stay for very long. It's a choice, an attitude. I would choose to have an attitude of gratitude. But I was in my backyard in Canberra complaining to God. I said, God, if you really love me, then why did you let that happen to me? Why do you, so that, were you even there? When my father died in my arms, were you, do you, if you loved me, God, then where were you when I needed you most? Right? If you cared about me deeply, like your word says that you care about me, then how come there's so much craziness and crap that is happening in the world? If you deeply care about me, then where were you, God? Have you ever had a moment where you just got real with God? Come on, somebody. It's not just me. Where you just got real with God and you just said, man, like, isn't life supposed to be like roses? Huh, life is roses, but roses don't come without the thorns. And the thorns are what makes the roses beautiful. And I'm complaining to God and I'm like, where were you, God? Were you really there for me? Let's just get real at church today. Come on, let's be honest today. Even if it's just me, let me be honest with you and vulnerable for a second. Where were you, God? I had, I had a water pistol in my hand. You know the pump, pump action water pistol guns? They shoot like 50 meters these days. They're crazy, right? I was pumping the action gun, right, in my backyard in the middle of summer with the very intention to shoot my eldest son, Samuel, in the head with it. So I'm pumping away, right, right, pumping away. I aim at his head and the Holy Spirit says, Tao, keep pumping. And I'm like, oh, okay. I thought the Holy Spirit would have said, stop. You're being really bad. You're being really nasty. You're bad, Dad. Put down the gun. Relax. Okay, I'll, I'll just keep pumping. So I'm applying more pressure on the gun. And then he says, just in my spirit, not audibly, but in my heart, he says, apply more pressure to her. More pressure. So I apply more pressure on the gun. More pressure on the gun. More pressure. More pressure. More pressure on the gun. He says, now point it up over your roof and shoot the gun. So I point the gun over my roof. It not only shoots over my roof and over my house, but over the next door neighbor's roof. And he says, see, the more pressure I've allowed on your life is the further that I can take you. Come on now, somebody. The more pressure I've allowed you to go through is the further I can take you in your very life is the more I can use you. So don't look at your life and your experiences and say, oh man, it's time to have a pity party. Look at my glory and my grace and my power and my forgiveness and my presence and think about what you can do with your future if you align your life with mine. Let's give God another praise in this house. I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. God is creating something beautiful out of our lives because of the pressure 
that we go through. Have you heard of a smelter? A smelter is a big unit that purifies and refines gold. They crank that up over a thousand degrees Celsius, cranking it up hotter and hotter. They apply more heat, more heat, more heat, more heat, more heat, more heat. And the gold starts to melt and crumble and it feels hot and it's so hard and it's unbearable. I can't put up with life anymore, God. It's so difficult, God. Get me out of this situation, God. And we see the... We see this as our enemy. But let me propose to you that this pressure and this heat gives us the purpose that we need in our life. It purifies us. Job chapter 23 says this, When he tested me, then I will come forth as gold. When I am tested, it is in the test that produces the refining and the purification in our life. It's the experiences that we go through. Sometimes it doesn't feel perfect, but I'm telling you, it's giving you a purpose. Your problem holds the key to your promise. Your problem holds the key to your purpose. So God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to set free a nation from the grip of the Egyptians. And you're going to go straight to the Red Sea. I'm going to take you right to a dead end. Don't you love it how God has a promise over your life? He starts to speak to you and you get excited about the purpose that God has for you and then you find yourself at a dead end. It's like, God, all I've done is chose to follow you. And all of a sudden we've hit a dead end. Where are you, God? Honestly, all I've done is I've tried to be faithful to you. And now that I'm faithful, I've taken a step of faith, a step of obedience, and I hit a dead end. Life feels like that so much of the time. And then what happened was God began to open up the Red Sea. I'm telling you, God's power is unstoppable in your life. God's supernatural outworking will open up an impossible door, an impossible situation. And what I love about this story is what a lot of people seem to skip over is that the Red Sea, even though it was a blockage, even though it was a hurdle, even though it caused so many problems for the Israelites, for God's people, it opened up. But what did it do as a result of opening up? It let people escape into liberty from captivity, but it also swallowed up all the enemies. I feel like i got a word on my heart for somebody that your pressure and what seems to be your enemy, your workmate, that it just annoys the crap out of you at work, they are going to seriously open up a door that is so wide you will not even believe. I believe that some of you, your promotion will come out of your pressure this year. I believe that what you see as your enemy is actually your greatest friend in disguise. And what God is going to do is going to open up a door and then as a result of the problems and the pressures and the obstacles of your life, it's going to swallow up all your enemies. And God is taking you to a place of freedom and liberty and a better tomorrow. God has got great things in store for you. Why don't we give God a hand for that? He's got great things in store for you. There is a plan in this pain. There's a plan in this pain. I mean, I would look at my past and go, God, I've been through so much pain. I mean, the death of my father wasn't even really half of it because it was my relationship with my father that probably caused the most pain for me. The toxic relationship where for a few years my relationship with God was so, it was almost skewed because of, the reflection of my biological father, the relationship that I had, would project onto my relationship with God. And I no longer could trust authority figures in my life. I could no longer trust male authority figures in my life because of my relationship with my father, because of the crazy relationships that I had in my personal life. It almost projected something negative on my relationship that I had with God. And God's saying, no, I don't want you to live with this. I need you to open up your heart and to start to trust in me. Know that I'm a good, good father. Know that I've got a perfect plan for you. Know that I I haven't come to hurt you, but I've come to open up doors and I've come to bless you. I am the perfect father. I'm a good, good father with good motives. 
You know, God has never sinned. He's never thought an impure thought. He's a perfect father in all of his ways. He's so trustworthy. But humans, we so lack an ability to trust in God. So that's why every time there's a situation or obstacle, we turn to lean towards our natural inclination, which is, oh my gosh, my life sucks now. But if we truly trusted God, we would say, you know what? That's fine. Because all things are going to work out according to my blessing, my benefit. Every difficult situation is only here to bless me. It's dressed up in disguise as a blessing from God. But there is a certain plan to the pain that we are going through. I mean, because of my dysfunctional relationship with my father, what happened was God opened up a huge door to start doing prison ministry. And so there's a big prison in Canberra. And God opened up a door where a lot of these, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. A lot of these prisoners had already heard of me before I went in to do the prison ministry. And some of them I grew up with. And I'm like, I arrived to the prison. I'm like, hey, John. Hey, Bob. Hey, Barry. How's the missus? They're like, what are you doing here, Teo? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm a pastor. I'm volunteering. I'm like in here because I want to hang out with you. They're like, but you are the last person to become a Christian man. Like, you're probably the reason why we're all here. (laughs) You laugh, but that's not good, right? I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, like I've lived a wayward life. I just, I'm sorry. And I suppose I'm here to let you know that there's hope for your future. And I was speaking one day at like a conference in the prison. We had a nice big room and it was filled up like this. And I just started to share my testimony with them. I built some relationship with them. I'd been in there for about three years at this point, just ministering regularly to the prison prisoners and inmates. We built some trust and I really got vulnerable with them. I said, guys, you know, you complain about your life. You look at your life and think, oh my gosh, my life ends. You think you're at the end. You've made some decisions in your life where you're like, God, see, I'm making a decision to get my life right. And then you go back into your brokenness. And you over and over again choose to self-sabotage your very life. And there is this hurt inside of you that you want to hold on to because for a second, for a moment, it feels good to have hurt in your life. But let me encourage you that the pain that you've gone through, it isn't God's fault. You you need to to forgive God because for so long you've been blaming God. And just tears down people's eyes. People are crying. I said, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand if you had a very dysfunctional and abusive relationship with your father. Tears streaming down people's faces. Every single hand in that entire room went up. And I said, let me propose to you that God is a perfect father. He will never let you down. Time and time again, he will never, ever let you down. Let me tell you about God, our dad, our father in heaven. Let me tell you about how perfect he is. Let me tell you about the healing power that dramatically changed my life. Let me tell you about this God. He makes everything new. He turns your problems and your misery into your purpose and gives you direction. He propels you towards the God-given purpose for your life. There is a purpose in the pain. And the pressure is only there to produce a platform to help people. So no matter what you go through, just know that right now it's not the end, but it's only the beginning of your life. You have an opportunity to make a difference. And your freedom isn't determined by your disposition physically, but it's determined by your attitude of gratitude and knowing that God is with you in the middle. Your freedom is determined by your spiritual disposition. With eyes Every person was crying. Every single person that didn't know Jesus put up their hand 
to make the most life-defining decision in that room. Because you know why? Because everybody knows deep down that there is a creator. Everybody knows deep down. Whether they're deceived or whether they're just they're going through a rough patch right now, there is something that resonates in our spirit. See, the Word of God is written on the tablets of our hearts. There is a place inside of us that can resonate with a spiritual God, with the presence of God. Even now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd become tangible in this place. That's right. Tangible in this place. That the presence of God is on your life right now. The presence of God will turn your pressure into purpose and your pain into the godly plan over your life. Every single person in here, God has got an incredible destiny, incredible plan over your life. But we need to make a decision today. A stake in the ground moment has been prepared for us right now. And the presence of God is here with us. That we say, God, I make a decision today to engage with the one that has created me, to engage with the purposes that you have for me, but to refuse to believe in the lies of the enemy. Come on, too many people have believed in the lies of the enemy. I choose the great plan that you have over my future. I choose the destiny that you have prepared for me, God. I thank you, Father God. I turn my back on the words of the enemy that says I'm no good for nothing, that there's no purpose ahead of me, that I can't do anything significant for God. No, I turn my back on those words and I choose your words which bring life and life in abundance I just sense the presence of God is here hey can I ask everybody to open up their eyes just look at me so I'm in the hospital as a teenager and I hold my father in my arms and I see the life being stripped away from him a guy that I look up to a, a guy that I see my purpose in a guy that I so I put everything on him my hero and I see almost my whole life being stripped away from me in that moment and I'm just thinking in my head God where do I go to from here where do I go to from here and and I started asking my father some questions I said dad why are you following Jesus, right? Like, why? You've been an alcoholic your whole life for as long as I can remember. There's one thing I know about you, and that's the fact that you are not a godly person. That's the only thing I know about you. So why are you making this decision to follow Jesus, this radical decision? And he says, man, I saw a vision, Taya. There was a man in a white robe on the top of a staircase, and he said, come to me. And he opened up his arms and I started to walk up the stairs. And I knew then in that moment that Jesus was accepting me. And so I made the decision to accept him in my heart. I'm not the same person anymore. I'm changed. I'm transformed by the power of God, the presence of God and by the Spirit of God. And my charge to you today is for you to make a decision to follow Jesus. That same Jesus that opened up His arms for me is asking you to allow Him into your heart. Would you make that decision to follow Jesus, Teo? Would you open up your heart? Would you trust in God? Would you believe for more? Would you, Teo? He passes away as he says that, right? But what I've learned is it's never too late to make a decision to follow Jesus. It's never too late. The Bible says that now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time to make a decision. To say, I turn my back on stinking thinking and I choose an attitude of gratitude. I turn my back on my past where I've 
disconnected myself with the Holy Spirit, I choose to align myself in the purpose of God. Walking in the will of God, fulfillment only comes when you walk in God's purpose. It doesn't come with the Australian dream, with a white picket fence, with a big two-story house, with a pool and a dog out the back. It doesn't fulfill you at all. Only living in God's will, His purpose and plan over your life will truly fulfill you. If you are willing to lose your life, then you will truly find your life in God. Your identity doesn't come from what you have and what role you have in your job. Your identity only comes from the love of God. It's never too late to make a decision to follow Jesus. But just like I reunited, reconciled with my biological father, there's some people here today that need to reconcile with their heavenly father. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. Father God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power, Lord God. I just pray, Father God, that you would speak to every single person in this place, Father God. That you would show them, I just believe that there's dreams. Some people here have let your dreams dissipate and disappear from your life. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, dream again. Dream again for your personal life. Dream again the things that you've kind of put to the wayside and let become dormant. God is saying, start to dream again. Believe for more in your life. There are some people that you know that you've, you pray and you read the Bible, but there's not that connection anymore with your Father in heaven. There's not that joy in your faith. And God wants to ignite that joy again. You need to come back to the grace of God, the throne of grace. You need to stop blaming yourself and stop being so hard on yourself and stop speaking negative words over your life. And you need to have an attitude of gratitude, focusing not on your own life, but focusing on the holiness, the goodness, the righteousness of God. Because the more you look into the mirror, the more you see brokenness. The more you look to God, the more you see perfection. Which direction are you going to? Brokenness or perfection? Father, I just pray for every single person in this place. Let your presence sweep this place. Fill every heart, Lord God. Let your power fill every life, God. The same encounter that I had, let it be here. The same power, the same spirit that Christ rise, that rose Christ from the dead, the same power, the same spirit is right here in this room. And if you're here and you need to reconnect back to your spiritual Heavenly Father, that you've kind of gone on a detour in your life and you know that your life's not right with Him right now. I want to give you an opportunity just in a little bit to just between you and God to say, God, I, I'm coming back home. I'm realigning my life with you. I'm making a decision to follow Jesus and to pursue the purpose that you have for me, to lose my life so that I can gain it in you. That's you, you want to make a recommitment or if you want to make a decision for the first time to follow Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, He's already said yes to you. When you say yes to Jesus, you say no to hell. You say yes to heaven. When you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to eternity in paradise where there's no more weeping, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more hurt, no more rejection, no more betrayal. There is only love, peace, joy. If you want to make a decision to recommit and reconcile with your Father while all eyes are closed and all heads are bowed, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand in this place. One, God loves you. Two, He's got a purpose over your life. Three, why don't you slip up your hand if that's you. Yep, you're making a decision. Yep, yep, you're trusting God. Awesome, yep. So good. Hands are going up. You want to say, God, yes, I'm coming back to you, God. I know I haven't been perfect, God, but... I'm choosing to follow you, God. Forgive me, God. Reconcile me to you. And God's saying, everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Why don't we just pray this prayer and repeat it after me. It's the prayer of salvation. 
Everybody now. Dear God, come on, you can do better than that. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness and your saving grace. I choose to follow you. Not just today, but forever. I lose my life and I find a new one in you. I choose to follow the will and the purpose you have for me. I believe in you. I love you. And I'll let you into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a hand for that. Come on, somebody. He's the God of freedom. He's the God of power. He's the God of liberty. So good. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up to their feet. Come on, we're going to worship God. God's presence is thick in the atmosphere. God's presence is here to heal, to restore, to strengthen, to rejuvenate. If you're tired, come on. Right now is a perfect time to press into God. If you're feeling withdrawn or, or weary, right now is the perfect time to press into God. Come on, let's worship. Let's go. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. Let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign. Let's sing, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. We thank you, God. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. In song, sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name, Jesus. You reign above it all. So good, so good. Just right now, right now, if you've got sickness in your body. If there's something that needs alignment, a broken bone, or doesn't matter what it is, if you need healing physically in your body right now, I believe that God is a God who heals. He's a powerful God. Time and time again, I've seen it so many times. Now I am stuck. I've seen it so much that I cannot go back. I can never, ever believe that God isn't a healer of our physical bodies anymore. I can't go back because I've seen it too much in my life and in people's around me. If you need healing right now in your physical body, why don't you just put up your hand, slip up your hand right now. Healing of the power of the healing God is present, present right now. No matter what it is, just slip up your hand. That's right. All right, let me pray for you. Receive, just receive. Dear God, thank you, Father God, for your presence. Thank you for your power, Lord God. Right now, Holy Spirit, flood. Flood this place, God. I pray for every single person asking for healing, asking for your your power, for your presence to be manifest in their body. Right now, Lord God, I pray for healing, Lord God, over their body right now. Just receive. Receive a touch from God right now. It's almost like drinking it in. Drink in the rivers, the flowing rivers of the Holy Spirit. Just receive right now the Thank power you. of God. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, just flow. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Lord. That's right. There's a lower back Thank problem you, right now. God's restoring it right now. There we go. There's a lower back Thank problem you. right now. And God is restoring that right now. Someone had difficulty hearing in one of the ears, and God is restoring it right now. There we go. Thank you, Lord. God's power is made present when we glorify and lift up the name of Jesus. There is healing power in this room. Thank you, Lord God. Someone does someone have difficulty with breathing? Just breathe. Just breathe. That's right. Just breathe. 
Maybe there's a blood clot problem, a flow of blood through the veins and arteries. Just right now, receive touch from God. Touch from God. There's freedom in this place. Just receive, just drink from the rivers of living water. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just sense his presence touching and restoring your life. Relationship, relationship problems. I pray for restoration, God. I pray for healing in relationships. Thank you, Lord. Financial difficulty, Lord God. Oh, thank you that you are the God that gives us the creativity to produce wealth, Father God. I just know that God is going to provide for you as well. Believe in the provision of God, the supernatural provision of God. It's okay. Everything's going to be just fine. Everything's going to be okay. Fear and anxiety. Some people need to let go of fear and anxiety right now. It's become a good friend. It's time today to make a decision. Time for some resolve in the heart. I let go of fear and anxiety and I choose not to partner with it anymore. Just let it go. Let it go. Thank you, Lord God, for healing in the mind, in the heart, in the body. Thank you for your power, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. That is evident in our lives. Thank you, God. Come on, let's give God a hand for yeah. that. He's so good. Amen. So good. Awesome. Why don't you thank Pastor Teo uh, for being here? We really uh, thank you for, for what you've invested into the life of our church. So uh, we honor you for that and what you, you've come along to help us build as a local church. So thank you for that. Just to let you know, um, over here, if you want prayer for anything, we're just going to open up this part of the altar and feel free to come up. Other than that, uh, our team is going to bring out some food and some tea. We'd love to uh, hang around and have a chat with you. God bless. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.